0: Welcome to the Liar's Almanac, the radio show and podcast where the truth can kill you or set you free. Now, here's your host, Liam Sweeney.
1: So uh, this is Liam Sweeney with uh, Liar's Almanac. This is our inaugural uh, episode. I am here with Alia Ali Asval. Am I right? Am I I do? Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) Alia has a book that is amazing. I, uh, it it, it is something you really can't put down. And I would say when you first start reading it, you think it's going to be one way and it's entirely something different. So I think it really just grabs you right, right from the beginning. So, um, uh, without too much ado, I have some questions for Alia and I just wanted to, uh, welcome you to the show, because this is our, our very Thank first you. show. And um, so let me go ahead and ask you, uh, well, to give you a chance to interview introduce uh, Would I Lie to you, to our listeners. Um, what, what's it about? Uh, what is the elevator pitch of this book? And um, who is Fiza and what is her big lie? So, uh,
0: Would I Lie to You is my debut novel, and it just came out uh, in North America on Tuesday, just a few days ago. And it's a story about a woman called Faiza who lives in London. She is a British Pakistani woman. She's married to Tom who's white and they have three children and they have a really lovely life uh, and are very happily married. But our uh, Faiza has one huge secret that nobody knows about. And that secret is that she's been dipping into their emergency savings fund um, and nobody knows about this. And then she always thinks that, you know, one day I'll put this money back. When the kids are older, I'll go back to work. I'll replenish this um, fund and we don't really need it. And then Tom suddenly loses his job very unexpectedly. And this money is all they have left to live on and she's too afraid to tell Tom. And basically that's where the story starts. And we follow Pfizer to see what on earth is she going to do now?
1: I mean, you know, um, I I just, I love the way this whole story goes. I really do. Oh, but now let me, let me, let's talk about FISA. Uh Pfizer is kind of a, Kind of an unsympathetic character when you start out. Um, when when Tom loses his job, she she's on the phone with him, and she's with her friends, and they're at a beauty spa or, or something like that, and she is getting yeah. a beauty treatment, and she doesn't she doesn't uh, stop getting the beauty treatment. She she goes through with it even after he told her that he lost his job. Now. The, the way she is, I mean, this she has such a complexity in her character. So it isn't just that she's any kind of like a one-dimensional bad person. She's not. Um, but um, how do you keep, how did you tr- decide to keep her as bad enough to be compelling and interesting and good enough to not have somebody say, well, I just don't like this character at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really important for me to make... Um, make her a flawed character because I think so often in fiction, um, women are expected to be, you know, either perfect or villains. And actually in real life, we all have good aspects and bad aspects, you know? Um, so I wanted to show somebody with these nuances. She's a good person, but she's done a bad thing. And the scene starts, you know, as you said, it starts actually in a Botox clinic and she's at a Botox party and she's with her friends and she's kind of, trying to keep up with them because they've kind of persuaded her to come along. And she hears that Tom is about to lose his job, then he loses his job. And she tries to get out of it and she says, can I please have a refund? And they say, so sorry, 24 hours notice, otherwise it's a hundred percent cancellation fee. And she goes into this kind of shock mode as well. She doesn't want to reveal that's a thing, but you know, she keeps up an appearance all the time, Pfizer. So she kind of goes along with it. Um, And I think the compelling parts were, you know, the messy situation she's in, because, frankly, one bad deed, it's like a spiral that starts, you know, it's like a domino effect. And that's what kind of keeps us hooked in. And she's done this one big thing. And to protect herself from that one lie, she has to tell so many other lies. But I feel that because we we see that she's a good person and we can find out later on the motivations for this these actions I hope that people feel some sympathy as well, you know.
1: Right, right, and and, and you do, you you really do, as as you um, Good. <laughs> especially by towards the end, without giving anything away, you're you are totally yeah. sympathetic for her. You want her to do well. You want her to succeed. Yes. Now, um, the thing is, it, it seems like there's a kind of a kind of a dual lie here uh, on the one hand you have the surface lie: because she's not a hero she's not an anti-hero she's not a villain um she's just a person mm. caught up in this thing and yes there there are some there is the, the lie there is the there is a the thing that she had that could have you know and i think that's what every every great story comes from something that somebody should have done differently and there wouldn't have been a story mm. so i think that that's really the 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 first lie but there was a deeper lie because really, she's doing all of this stuff, the beauty treatments, the clothing, sending your kids to the right school, all of it is this very uh, keep up with the Joneses um, to, to fit in with her social circle of friends, people who she really wouldn't have in her circle, if not for their husbands, mm-hmm. all having this ceo level um Mm. very high corporate level jobs so she has this Mm. social circle yeah and she she has a social circle that she has to keep up with and honestly she wouldn't even have been at the botox clinic if it wasn't for this other kind of lie that she's she's that's not so much a deception publicly but it's it's really a it's its own deception so what would you say about like the different levels of that lie
0: you know what i wanted to explore was um the kind of very human need to fit into a group right so for her it might be with these what we call in england the yummy mummies you know the glamorous mums with the designer bags and and all of that but really it could be you know it's this human need to fit in with any group so if you're at work and everybody goes for drinks on friday nights to a particular pub you know you don't want to be left out you can't sort of step away from that um if you're with a group who plays a certain kind of sport or you know if you're playing golf guys are very competitive about their clubs and the kind of equipment that they have so it's i think it's like a human need to fit in and for Pfizer, the situation is that she's with these mothers from the school and it's so important for her to be part of that social circle even if it's not her true self she ends up doing these things because a lot of her children's kind of social interactions and whether they're invited to parties and whether you know, um, things are nice for them depends on the mother's socializing. So that's kind of the thing. I think, you know, yes, it's about the Botox and the bags and you know, these uh, you know, social parties, but actually it could be in any situation, right? Whether we're at work or anything, we do, do not want to feel left out. And there are always consequences to being left out. It's not just an emotional thing, which is a big thing as well
1: right oh yeah absolutely and i mean i think that's a it's a it's a it's a lie we tell so much i think we believe it you know that, that we start to yeah. believe it ourselves but now now yes. <laughs> now again I, I think that what i Lie to you is such a great title for the simple fact that there is even a further lie i mean there's the lie on the surface that she's trying to keep everything from tom there is the lie that she is doing all this beauty stuff to try to fit in and she doesn't really have to do that kind of stuff it's not like you know it's not like she has this really physical existential need to do it but she has to like you said share her for her children she wants them to have the best so she has to go through and, and and play even at this expensive level game with all her with all of her um her friends but then there is the third lie which is a different kind of lie and it's it's not even a lie, but it's a, a society-level thing, like a global society-level mm. thing. Um, Faiza is Pakistani, and she has to fit in British a British society where she is the only one in her social circle. And she has this – when you, when, you, when you look at her parents who are traditional – um, Pakistani, they are mm. they are very down to earth. They're very like mm. normal people. They're they're super normal mm. people. They are they are the opposite of this social circle yeah. that she has to be in. And yeah. it's not, and it's it's not that she's ashamed of them. It's just she knows what her social circle. If if her if her parents come and and become this regular yeah. visible part of her life, she knows that her social friends are going to be like, well, they're they're different. They're other. And, exactly. yeah, and yeah. so she, so she has to kind of hide her, her, her. she has to hide her true self. She has to hide who she is and, and what she, where she has come from. She has to hide that too. And on top of hiding, you know, the, the mm-hmm. on top of the Botox, on top of all of that, on top of having to lie yeah. to Tom, she has to lie just about who she is as a person. And, and that, and that's hard. That's very difficult for her. Um, So how would you say, I mean, there's a parallel to real life here. I I think, I mean, this is something that everybody has to go through. You know, I I don't have that particular experience, but I have my own where I have to hide certain things. So how would you, how would you say that that is, what would you say the quality of a lie like that is in society that is, is being forced upon a lot of people?
0: I think you're absolutely right it is a very kind of widespread social phenomenon and it can happen in lots of contexts right um like you say you know people don't like people to be different let's put it like that right and in Pfizer's case like you say there's an added element of her being South Asian and um I found this very interesting to explore and you know this term that you used othering um where just because of who you are you're not accepting irrespective of your personality or or you know the sort of person you are there's this external thing that immediately puts you in another in another box and I find this very interesting because there's almost a pressure as well to choose cultures you know and I find this particularly with South Asians because I have friends who are Italian who nobody blinks an eye if they speak Italian or they eat Italian food or they they are visibly, you know, Italian British or Italian American, right? But when it comes to South Asians, there seems to be a, a pressure you need to choose, either, you know, reject your culture or be seen as something very different. So it was really important for me to show Pfizer as a regular person with problems like with lying to her husband and spending too much money and lying about it. And yet also be very clearly South Asian and be somebody who struggles two cultures really comfortably. Because that's my experience, you know? I, I don't find a problem with culture clash. Me, my kids, all my friends, we're okay. We, we, we find our lives are richer like that. Whereas often it's seen as an issue, as a problem, as a trouble spot. And that's what was really important for me to explore this. And I think this is the trap poor Pfizer falls into, you're right. Because she feels, you know, unable to really embrace both these cultures, not because she has a problem with it, but because other people looking in can't accept this duality.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, and we're gonna, um, I have one more question, but there is one person in this story that we are going to talk about. I think you you probably know who she is. Yeah. Okay, so one more question really quickly before we talk about her, and I give you a chance to totally go off on her, go off with her, whatever. (laughs) Um, So it seems like she's cursed Pfizer seems like Pfizer's cursed at at first. Yeah, obviously she spent the money. That's the, obviously the original curse, the original lie, but it's like every time she gets to a point where she's just about to succeed. It's like, Oh my, she's going to succeed. You know, I mean, something comes back, she has to tell another lie or a lie she already told is threatening to become unraveled. So she has to then patch that over and lose the opportunity that she just had. So it's like she, she is cursed because of that first lie and she's cursed into every additional lie she has to tell and so mm-hmm. you 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 um obviously as a as a storyteller you're escalating the stakes you are you are giving her but but really it's it it is bigger than that when you read it because you're looking at the fact that she's got a lie she can't get rid of i mean she now you know she yeah. she she can't get back from it she it is like when you're cursed you're cursed unless someone removes the curse you are cursed and she seems to be cursed do you think there are any lies that you just can't come back from
0: you know i think lies are very interesting because sometimes it's not the lie itself that's the problem but the consequences of it in a relationship as well right so when somebody finds out that you've been lying to them, I mean, the trust is gone, isn't it? I mean, imagine how you feel when you find out somebody close to you has lied to you about something. It's a horrendous feeling. Um, And next time they say something, you start wondering, are they telling the truth? Can I really trust this person? And I think that's the real thing about lies. You know, whether you're lying, you know, whatever you're lying about, um, you know, it can shatter trust. And I think that's what's at the real root of this and the real problem of this, because, you know, it causes difference. At at one point she says, you know, it's like a scaffolding of, of lies between herself and her husband, Tom, and it causes distance, doesn't it? Because you can't be yourself. So I think for me, it was really interesting to explore not just the lie per se, but the consequences, like you say, the kind of ongoing and potentially permanent consequences of telling lies
1: yeah and and there were there were a lot of again you know it's it's cool to talk about this i don't want to give anything away either though so i won't no please don't <laughs> i will not so okay so there this is going to be our last question so you know we're we're actually um this is this has been a really great great conversation um julia
0: <laughs> she yes. is oh quite gosh.
1: a person uh she is. Yeah. I mean, she really is the foil. I don't know if that's the right word, but she's the she's the person that you you know that you think that is pretty much standing in a lot of the way. I, I think that she. I think that she. You know, if you want to say that Fiza is a villain, no, Julia is the villain. Fiza is. Yeah. You know, she's got some issues, but Julia seems to be a, a big villain to this. Tell me about Julia. Tell me about Julia.
0: So, I think. Um, What's really interesting is that a lot of readers have written to me saying, oh, we know a Julia. (laughs) So Julia is a type and I think Julia exists many places. And I think it's the kind of the queen bee syndrome. You know, Julia has that thing that she has to be the best. She's very competitive. She wants to kind of control um, the groups and the narrative. And so in this case, she's also given the advantage of being the wife of a millionaire. So she has all that money at her disposal to, you know, and her, her raison d'etre in a way is to make people envious. She loves it. It just makes her happy, <laughs> you know, that that's what kind of does it for her. Um, and when it comes to, um, you know, uh, Pfizer in particular, you know, there is kind of this undercurrent of racism and it's a kind of a microaggressions kind of racism, which uh, which I found really interesting to explore because it isn't necessarily what you would expect. So this is very polite London society. This is a very liberal cosmopolitan dinner party set who believe themselves not to be racist. And yet she makes these little remarks, you know, continuously othering her questioning her, saying, oh, her food is too spicy, questioning whether her mother speaks English. You know, it's just strange, random questions for no reason. Um, And so that's, you know, sadly, I've come across Julia's. And as my readers say, um, they have as well. In this case, you know, it was a lot about microaggressions and this underlying racism. But other people have come across, you know, just a competitive streak. If somebody is, you know, upset that another person is maybe younger than them or, 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 or has something that they don't have or is more popular, they cannot stand it.
1: I have to wonder, and this is just a, a strange wondering, but is Julia racist against Faiza because she's just straight racist? Or is it more like Faiza has a perspective in life because of her nationality that Julia can never have? And because she can't have that perspective, it's something she can't have. And she doesn't like that.
0: Maybe. Maybe. That's that's why I I kind of felt that. Yeah. I think you're right. And that's what I was saying as well that, you know, it could be with somebody who's younger or more popular or has a better career because she just cannot bear for somebody to have something. And I feel like, you know, especially um, later on when Pfizer, you know, becomes, you know, starts doing sort of, starts working and stuff like that she doesn't like it because she doesn't like the fact that she can be good at anything you know it's a very competitive nature I think it's those people who are queen bees and I think any group of women will have come across somebody like that
1: and you know everybody else too because I know a Julia I think we all know a Julia oh
0: my god (laughs) poor you I'm sorry for you
1: (laughs) okay so um i would i have a million and a million more questions but uh i think uh since this is our first episode i think we are breaching that time limit um i would love oh god i I could ask you a million questions I, i love this book i absolutely love this book um i i can't wait to see it you know rock up the charts and i'll do whatever i can to push it up there because it's just such a such an engaging book, such a, such a, um, so it just, so, so page Turner doesn't even really describe it. It's such an engaging book. So, um,
0: thank you so much. Well, it's out now in America and in Canada. So, you know, available everywhere. So I hope readers just get to meet Pfizer and Julia and oh, see yeah. their story.
1: And I'm so glad you were my first person on Liar's Almanac because it, it could there couldn't I'm have been a better it. book for this. There couldn't have been a better book for this.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been uh, a pleasure.
1: No problem. Um now we are on Authors on the Air Radio Network. I think I was supposed to say that halfway through. And of course, you know, I I forgot to say that. um well, authors on the air global radio network this is liar's almanac um i may have to put a little edit in between there um that's fine uh this is alia ali Abzal. there we go make sure I got it right and uh the book is would i lie to you only on liar's almanac well well hopefully not only on liars Almanac. hopefully everywhere <laughs> This episode of The Liar's Almanac with Liam Sweeney is copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for listening.